Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. This is episode number 430, and I'm here with Linda, Scott, and Lynn. Hey, everybody. Hey, John. Hey. Hey. Hey, that went pretty pretty well. Um, <laughs> I was just curious. Uh, yeah, so Scott in Montana, uh, we've got Linda in Florida, and then we've got Lynn in Virginia. Um, three different time zones. I'm in Mississippi Central, <laughs> and so... Uh, we've already had some kind of slight tech issues. You never know how this is going to go. Um, and Lynn, uh, also has to leave before too long, uh, to go pick up kids. Uh, so, uh, she might need to jump off at some point, just letting our listeners know. Uh, and Lynn, I know it's been just a little while since you've been on the podcast. You were very consistent for a while, but why don't you give a brief update? You've got, um, yeah, some news. Yeah, I am eight months pregnant uh, with a, a baby. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but... <laughs> it is a baby, though. But, it is confirmed. Yes, it is a baby. Confirmed. <laughs> yeah, so I've been feeling good, and that's just been a whole... I mean, I got married just over a year and a half ago, so that was a whole new season. Became a mom with a six- and a nine-year-old now. Like, that was a new season. And now we're entering a whole new season of a newborn. So <laughs> it's lots of fun and things over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's good to have you back on. We're, we're excited. I mean, those who listen know you and your husband, Joe, came on and, and shared uh, your story. And um, I did not go back and look at the numbers so people can go back and search that if they, if they want to. But that was really sweet and appreciate appreciate you guys sharing that and obviously excited um, to welcome this new one very soon. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the kids online safety act. Um, we've all been doing a little bit of reading about this. Uh, those who listen to the podcast consistently know just a couple of episodes ago, Brian Montgomery, uh, was on the podcast to talk about just his story. And, um, he actually mentioned this in that episode and really in some ways, um, he's while we're doing this podcast, uh, one of the things he said is just, raising awareness about, uh, this, uh, kids, kids online safety act. And so that's, that's part of why we're doing this. I think we'll, we'll get into some more specifics of, you know, why would we be discussing this on RYM's podcast? Um, but that, that's, that's one, just, just raising awareness. Um, so what is the kids online safety act? Um, and you guys, do we want to call it COSA from here on out? So we don't have to say kids online safety act the sure. whole time. Okay. Yes. Do it. Everyone's nodding. Okay, good. So COSA is a bill introduced in the United States Senate by Senators Richard Blumenthal and Marsha Blackburn. It was uh, originally introduced in February 2022, but then it was reintroduced in May 2023. And the bill establishes guidelines meant to protect minors on social media platforms. The bill charges individual state, uh, state attorneys general with enforcing the bill. Um, the bill has been criticized by civil rights organizations for potentially enabling censorship, including of material important to marginalized groups. And we'll kind of get into some of those maybe pros and cons uh, a little bit later. I do want to say this at the outset. Um, there should be an infographic of COSA in the show notes of this podcast. So uh, again, those who tune in regularly, if you heard our U.S. Surgeon General's report on social media, uh, Joey Keim, uh, who works with RYM, uh, created a, an in, uh, infographic to kind of summarize that. And so hopefully um, that'll happen for this. Uh, he's, he's working on that now. And, and I think, you know, if you were to look at this bill in total, I think it's like 112 pages um, of content. And so obviously we read every bit of it, just so you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we did not do that. Uh, we did look at some of the summaries, but uh, hopefully that infographic will just help those of you who are listening. Uh, so again, the people who are involved in this bill, uh, Richard Blumenthal and Mar Mary Marsha Blackburn. Um, Richard Blumenthal is a Democrat. Uh, Blackburn is a Republican. And uh, a bipartisan support for this this bill, I do have to say, uh, Blackburn, I found out as I was reading about her, she's from my hometown of Laurel, Mississippi, which was pretty cool. Mm. 
Um, so who wants to jump in and, and kind of share a little bit about what this bill seeks to do? Uh, anyone want to jump in and share a little bit about that? Uh, I could, well, would this be a good place to insert like the background for why this bill is needed? Sure. Um, yeah, so, totally. cause I had done a little bit of reading and there's been a lot of talk about something called section 230, right? Which is part of this act that came out a long time ago. And um, it, it came out like in the very, very early days of the internet, like before most people were using the internet. And it basically was saying like, Hey, internet service providers are not allowed to be like sued for the content that like, is on the internet in the same way that like you can't sue the telephone company because I did something illegal over the phone. Right. So it's like giving them that kind of protection. And um, it was written so long before the internet became what it is today that like they couldn't have really anticipated uh, what the internet would look like today. And um, it has been interpreted to mean that like also social media platforms and things like these are uh, not responsible for what happens on their platforms. And there is a lot of discussion going on um, amongst policymakers about amending or or changing Section 230. And so COSA is one of those things that would address that so that um, social media platforms and other things would be held um, to some level of responsibility for what is on um, their platforms. And they can't just be like, hey, like, we're not we're not responsible for any of that. Like that's, that's the posters issue or whatever. So there are a number of things it tries to do um, where it's providing for minors specifically some safeguards um, that would like protect their privacy. Um, I read even that it would um, disable addictive features and give parents um, tools to supervise um, the children's use of things and, and look over those things like privacy and account settings um, that it would um, turn on the strongest privacy settings by default for minors. It would provide um, parents um, and children ways to report harm and would make it so that uh facilitating um, products or services like advertisements for products or services to minors that are uh, restricted age restricted would not like be able to happen. So things like um, advertising gambling or tobacco, whatever to people who are underage, like that would be restricted from happening. And then it also just kind of um, makes these platforms have to disclose information. So people that are like, academics or research or whatever have more access to the data about, Hey, how, like what is actually happening on these platforms? How are the algorithms working? And there would be like an annual independent audit assessing risks to minors and the compliance with the act and um, what like meaningful steps the platforms are taking to prevent harms. Um, so that's kind of a, broad overview. If I missed anything, y'all, y'all can fill it in. Well, one quick thing I'll jump in mm -hmm. to say too, that I found was interesting. He said section 230 kind of dates back to 1950. Um, and it said when bookstore owners were being held liable for selling books containing obscenity, which is not protected by the first amendment, one case eventually made it to the Supreme court, which held that it created a chilling effect to hold someone liable for, for someone else's content. And so they said, even kind of way back then, so 1950s and you're talking about bookstores and libraries and you're kind of the early origins of that now being applied to social media and the internet is, is just absurd to think about. But um, you know, obviously there, there are, uh, good motives for, for the section 230 and good protection. It's just, um, you know, most likely something different that needs to be applied to, to social media. Um, Scott, Lynn, do, do one of you want to jump in? Uh, I, was I listened just, to a couple of different, Oh, you go ahead, Scott. Well, I was just, and uh, as Linda was sharing all that, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it reminded me that, um, you know, there, 
part of the other reason that so she went back to the the uh, section two thirty um, that act, and uh, not only is that in place, but um, because of that, and because social media has taken off so quickly, there's I think it's probably good to just mention how there's lots of harm being done to young people, right? Like I know that's what we're talking about, and I know that's what our listeners are going to assume, but. Um, going back to the episode you had, I think it was two podcasts ago where you had, uh, Brian, um, Montgomery on mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And I actually was listening to a Fox news interview with, uh, New Mexico attorney general, Raul Torres. And he actually referenced that, that situation with Montgomery, um, that Senator Lindsey Graham brought up in the latest hearing. And so the idea is that um, because these safeguards aren't in place, because parents aren't aware of what's going on, because it's all coming so quickly, um, there's harm, uh, emotional, um, you know, uh, what, you know, lots of harm happening to minors, right? And so that's part of what's the driving force behind this conversation right now in Congress. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that- is that right? What? I just wanted to make sure that we're, yeah, that we all know that there's a big problem too. Right now. Yes. And I'm glad you're saying that up front because it's kind of like we can just assume that, but it's to explicitly state it. And I mean, of course, when they talked to Blumenthal and Blackburn, again, Republican, Democrat, right. why do you care? And I think Blumenthal's first answer is he said, I'm a grandparent. <laughs> and so, yeah, it comes back to the children. I mean, obviously, the, the concern there. Um, Lynn, I know you were going to say something. I was listening to a couple of different podcasts um, that were not faith-based podcasts. They were policy-based podcasts. So it was like, we're going to talk strictly about the policy. And I, um, I understand the difficulties with defining, well, what does harm to minors mean? Right. And then the other big <clears throat> phrase that they had a a problem with was the duty of care. Well, how, you know, and I think we're going to talk more about that, but how far does this go? Like how responsible is a parent for the things that their children post online? Or so how responsible is this social media platform for what people are posting? Those were the two main phrases that people, everybody agrees. Like that's why it's named the children's online safety act. Cause nobody's going to be against safety for children online, right? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. nobody's going to say that's a bad idea, but it's these two phrases specifically that are really controversial of like, well, where does that, what are the the boundaries or limitations of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's important to bring up because of, yeah, the, the vagueness of, okay, well, how do we define harm? You know, and that's something, yeah, let's, let's plan to, to not necessarily pick up there, but, but address that a little bit later. I do want to take a quick break. Um, You're going to get to hear from Michael Hall to talk about the training event, the Northeast Youth Ministry Summit. Um, Everyone, I think at the time of this recording, this Friday, February 16th, is the deadline for registration. So I want to encourage everyone, sign up. It's awesome. It's great. I know, Scott, you'll be there. Linda, you'll be there as well. No, Linda, you will not. That's right. (laughs) So you were there last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It It was good. Yeah. Y'all asked me to speak last year, but... Not this year, but that's, I got a speak invite to Wildview this year, so it's okay. I'm I'm not in charge of the, (laughs) so that's not on me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Linda's going to be heading to Montana before too long. True. Um, All right. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back uh, to talk more about the Kids Online Safety Act. But for now, here is Michael Hall. Hey everyone, it's Michael Hall from RYM, and I want to invite you to join us at the second Northeast Youth Ministry Summit coming up March 4th through the 7th in beautiful Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Whether you are a seasoned veteran or brand new in youth ministry, serving full-time, part-time, volunteer, or a parent, we have assembled an incredible slate of experienced practitioners and trainers to provide you biblically-based and practical youth ministry training. On top of plenary sessions and seminars for this year's theme, cultivating wisdom and discernment, there will be numerous additional workshops covering a wide range of practical topics to bolster your efforts in youth ministry. But the Youth Ministry Summit is so much more than an opportunity to get great content. 
It's also incredibly important to us to serve you as a person. You see, in addition to being the greatest area of ministry, hey, you all know it's true, youth ministry may also be the most challenging. Toward that end, at the summit, we want to create space and opportunity for you to connect with other youth ministry leaders and encourage you with the gospel through the preaching of God's word and worship. Lastly, we understand that cost is a big deal. There may not be a better all-inclusive event out there. You can get all the training, three nights, lodging, and meals for only $399, with commuter and college student pricing even lower. For more information and to register, check out the website, nymsummit.org. I hope to see you at the Northeast Youth Ministry Summit. All right, everyone, we are back. Uh, reminder, this Friday is the deadline for registration for NYMS. So be sure to register. We hope to see you there. Um, continue our conversation about the Kids Online Safety Act, or COSA. Um, uh, let's just kind of talk more personally about this and just some of our concerns. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. why are we, we concerned? And why, again, are we talking about this on, on this podcast? Um, Scott? You, you have children. I don't know if they have smartphones or not, but just maybe, you know, talk about some of your concerns and what you're thinking about with this. Yeah, so we do. I have a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And, uh, you know, every kid's a little different uh, in how they relate to their phones. Um, the only one that has a phone is a 17-year-old. He's driving. Uh, he does have Instagram. Um but he's one of those rare kids that really gets bothered by it all. <laughs> you know, he, he shares cars with his buddies, but it's still a concern. I, you know, as a dad um, and as a youth pastor, uh, knowing my own heart, and my own life, I just see the quality behind this. You know, I really loved the podcast last week with Andy Crouch and uh, just what he had to say about how uh, phones are affecting us. And uh, there's just no, you know, there, there's studies out there and everybody can cite different studies, but it's just so clear how this affects us. not just the phone itself, but then the social media piece. And last night at youth group, I, I've been doing a screen time challenge and I kind of backed away from it because I didn't want kids to think that I was like the screen time youth pastor. <laughs> but as you know, are any of you concerned about how much time you spend online? And like, is it a real thing? Like you think about it. I have one kid raise their hand, right? Yeah, it's like kids on their own just are really incapable of understanding the long-term effects that just being on their phone alone and then also engaging with social media for hours upon hours is having on their lives. And then they they get anxious, they get frustrated, they're not happy, and they don't know why. And so we have a huge responsibility, I think, as parents, as youth pastors, as youth workers, to help them understand what's going on in, in as graciously as possible without being super legalistic. But anyway, but we want to get back to COSA. And so on a broad uh, opinion spectrum, I, I agree with it. Do I think it's going to help? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. Um, maybe, I agree with everything you just said. And it's kind of like, um, do we really feel like it's going to, to stop some of this, you know, in some ways? Yes. Um, I mean, if we want to kind of use uh, the cigarette illustration or, I mean, tobacco illustration or alcohol, um, teenagers are still able to access both, you know, even though there are laws in place and things like that. And so, yeah, it, it does prevent a good bit and could end up, you know, protecting a lot of children, but, um, it still comes back to, I think, our responsibility as, as well. And so that's something maybe we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more. Um, Linda Lynn, yeah, thoughts about it, concerns that you're thinking about? Um, yeah, thoughts, anything? I think um, there, there's so much we covered in the episodes about the Attorney General's report on social media um, and that recent episode with Andy Crouch that 
gives a lot of information about harms to social uh, harms to teens from social media, and not to mention the episodes you've done with um, Brian Montgomery about the sextortion mm-hmm. trends. And his son is definitely not the only one who has um, mm-hmm. dealt with that. Um, but the uh, you know the, the the things that teens come across can include content that permits like self-harm and suicide and eating Mm -hmm. disorders and substance abuse and sexual exploitation. And, um, there can be one of the things that came up, um, the other week on January 31st, there was a Senate judiciary hearing, um, about not COSA, but around this issue of social media and harms, uh, to teens. And, um, one of the big things that came up was all of this um, harm. And um, I'm losing my train of thought. There was something specific I was going to say, but um, they, they pointed out a lot of things there. Um, What was interesting (laughs) was that um, there were CEOs from five different um, social media organizations there and um, Snapchat and X both support COSA. Um, Meta, TikTok, and Discord would want changes to it. Um, it was interesting to note that Zuckerberg, who um, is head of Meta, obviously, um, doesn't act, like he pointed out at some point, he's like, I don't think the evidence actually su- supports the conclusion that social media contributes to teen mel- mental health issues. He, he, said it basically like that um Mm. so it's like there's some social media companies that will on their own say okay yes this is causing harm to teens um and then others that like will not make the changes themselves for it um Mm -hmm. so that that was just interesting to note linda do uh i remember that and josh howley from missouri he quotes Mm -hmm. zuckerberg's own uh data policies from made meta right stating how it does cause harm <laughs> and then he asked yeah. to turn around and apologized to all the parents that were in the hearing it was just fascinating yeah i would say to anyone who hasn't seen that i mean just just check out that clip so i mean you know again th- those five ceos are sitting there and just right behind them are families who've lost children and they're holding their pictures up the entire time and Yes, Senator. You said Howley, is that correct? Josh Howley, yeah, from Missouri. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had him stand up and turn around and apologize. <laughs> I mean, it was just, oh man. Um, but this goes yeah, it was, the points that Linda read in the beginning, where part of the act was it forces these uh, these companies to disclose specified information, including details regarding the use of personalized recommendation systems and individual specific advertising to minors. Thanks for typing that out for us, John. <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it, it requires them to disclose this, that yes, like Zuckerberg, you don't get to say you don't think this causes harm because your own company says that it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, you know, several episodes ago when Chris Martin came on and Linda, you were on that too. And I mean, they had their own documents leaked of what they were saying and internally and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Lynn, I'd love for you to jump in on this with, with something in reaction to this or something totally different. Yeah, there's also, there's for me, the concern of, I mean, there's active harm, right? Like that my, either I am participating in like, you know, engaging with, like swapping snaps or something like that. And then it turns into a sextortion thing as unfortunate as it is, like we participate in those things, but then there's the passive harms of just like, well, this ad just popped up. I wasn't even looking for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's the one that as a mother of young children right now concerns me more because my, my children aren't of the age that they're um, I mean, they don't have phone. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And so like we were talking about earlier, my son watches another friend of his on the bus play these video games. And then this ad popped up for um, a rated R movie while he was playing this game. And my son had nightmares for like the next week. Right. So on such a low level, that's such a passive harm of he wasn't even trying, like the device wasn't even in his hand Mm -hmm. and he was harmed. Um, Thank God it was just nightmares at night, you know? Um, And so I think that's also like the tricky 
part of that definition of like, well, what are we actively participating in and what is coming at us? And um, yeah, just even in the, whatever the discovers part of Instagram or whatever it is, like um, I was reading another article about how part of the TikTok algorithm, the mystery that it is, but of course they see how long you spend on a post or a video and that's what they base the other content on. So if you're, you know, you're scrolling and you stop somewhere and you're talking to somebody else, like they just assume that you're in, interacting with that. So you're going to see more of that, whether it's relevant or not. Um, and then who knows where that, where that leads, but it was, um, it's those kind of passive things that worry me of like, well, this, I have even less control over, well, what am I actually interacting with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's such a good point, Lan. And, and, you know, I was reading an article too. This, I don't think was a Christian article, but this um, female was sharing how she just got in a porn addiction. And she was saying that her mom was a borderline helicopter parent. And she's like, she had me, you know, eating all the right, you know, fruit and vegetable balance. Like she was very in her life. And she said when she first started looking at pornography, I think they were in the same room together, but they were across, she was across the room, like sitting in a recliner and she was sitting on the couch and that's just how it started. And she's like, you know, here I had a mom who was very proactive and I was still able to get around her and just subtly got into that. And then it led to an addiction. And so it's just to your concern, it's like, man, this thing is so pervasive and it's so just dominates um, so much of our lives. And so, yeah, but, but let's let's dig into some of the the harm a little bit more um, because to me, you know, the critique is this is where there's some it, it's kind of vague at times. But to me, it just seems like there there's so much that we could agree on that no one's going to debate. I mean, suicidal ideation, self harm, suicide. Okay, yes, everyone's concerned about that. Um, Bullying, cyberbullying. Okay. I under even understand there, there could be some gray area. Okay. Is this just friends joking around with each other or is this something more serious? And you, you might have to parse that out a little bit, but what are some thoughts there of just the, the concerns about harm and some of the vagueness um, that's in COSA? Anybody want to react to that? Talk about that a little bit. It's tough when you are it's a blessing to be able to find community in whatever it is that you need, right? Like that's one of the good things about social media is people who have felt lonely or don't like they not like they don't belong anywhere. They can find a community. Right. And on the, the exact same, <laughs> like the same side of that coin or whatever that phrase is. Um, it's anybody who's looking for a community can find a community. So if uh, a, a student or a child wants to find somebody to help them, do self-harm or help them with their eating disorder, they can find that community, right? Um, Those kinds of harms of, well, this is a really great thing that everybody can find somewhere to belong. And then the flip side of that is like, yes. And even like the bad voices can chime in and tell you, oh, well, this is how you can get it past your parents, or this is how you can do this, or this is better than, you know, Um, those kinds of harms are waiting in the same kind of community that can be so beneficial to say like, no, don't, you know, you are important. You are valued. Like don't commit suicide. Here's like help or um, whatnot there. It's, it's so tough when <laughs> we rely on ourselves to, to self-govern, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I am a sinful human being and yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, yeah, such a good question. I, I consider the harm issue to be really important in terms of just the dehumanization of young people, you know, taking them from a world of wonder and uh, excitement and joy and hope um, to one where they're buried in um, this technological lie, essentially, you know, and and I see it, I see it on their faces, you know, what, what used to be, um, the things that bring us joy, you know, something as simple or mundane as going on a bike or tending to a garden or making a meal, you know, it just becomes difficult. It was already difficult to convince teenagers that those things bring joy. And now, 
to compete with this digital world um, on a Wednesday night or a, whatever night your youth group meets or, you know, it's so difficult and you can just see it like they, they're just looking for the next possibility, possible way to get back online a lot of times. And, and if, and it could be something from playing games on a bus or it could be looking at social media or it could just be texting back and forth, but it's, it's something that's, I mean, I have kids that, you know, they, their, their average, their daily average is seven, eight, nine hours a day on their phone. That means they're looking at the screen for nine hours a day. And I would consider these kids to be more on the, you know, engaging side. And, um, and so I, I wanted to speak to parents as, as we get closer to the end here, cause I want my parents to listen to this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, one thought I had is that one, one of the things that just made me think about this, this whole situation made me think about was that we cannot trust, we cannot trust any organization or expect any organization or institution to look out for our best interests ever, especially as Christians and as Christian parents, they're just not going to do it. You know, even something as simple as like a seatbelt law, or a cigarette law, you know, those companies are still at some level still looking out for their own interests and protecting themselves. Right. And so we have to, we have to learn to decide how to do this on our own. And Lynn, you were saying it's so hard and it is, and that's where the church and Christian accountability and all of this, like we could, we really are called as Christians to live a whole, wholly countercultural way and we can do it. Uh, but it's going to take a lot of work it's going to be very difficult mm -hmm. and the safety act isn't going to be the thing that I, I don't look at the safety. Act. I'm, I'm glad for it. I think it's going to protect families, but it's not going to be the thing that protects the families in my church, right? In our church. Mm -hmm. It's got to be more than that. And I'd love to talk about that later on too. Maybe. Yeah. And let, let's, maybe let's jump in there because I agree. Like, yes, in favor of, COSA, it would be great. It's going to, I think, protect a lot and provide a lot of support to parents who feel like they're they're fighting a losing battle. But what you just said, it, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to be really difficult for families and for churches uh, to live counterculturally. Um, and, and yeah, to, to maybe put a finer point on that, dig into that a little bit. But before we do that, Linda, I'd love for you to jump in too, because it's, it's been a little while and uh, I'd love to hear from you if you have some thoughts. Yeah, I had myself muted there for a while because the ice cream truck was uh, going by my window. <laughs> so I don't know why my neighborhood is so popular for this ice cream truck. Um, but yeah, one of the things I was thinking about um, as Scott was describing some things there, uh, th there's a sense in which you, you look at um, teens that are spending so much time on their devices and it almost feels like they're living out a version of like um, ready player one or the matrix or something where they're choosing this like surreal, like technological world instead of the real world, except we're not living in that like dystopian reality where like the real world is like so sad. It's like, mm -hmm. here's like, Yes, the world is broken, but also like we have the greatness of God's creation and it's not all crashing down right now, you know? And so mm -hmm. what is it that makes them keep running back to um, this technological world instead when what it offers um, is so easy for them to run to, but it's actually so... Um, well, to use a word that like Andy Crouch used the other week, it's so thin, um, what it offers them is not great. And I was even reading an article or no, it was like a, a research thing earlier today talking about how Gen Z doesn't like um, the direction TikTok is headed because of the TikTok shop stuff that has come out in the past several months. And they have been spending less time on TikTok, but that's still like the top app. And one of the reasons they stated in their research is because like, there's a lack of a better option. Mm -hmm. It's just like, well, I just kind of have to deal with it. And I read that and was like, I just wish that like, that were not the truth of the situation that like teens could look at it and be like, you know what? There is a better option. It's like real life, <laughs> you know? And mm -hmm. it's like fellowship and, um, 
all that God has made us for. Um, so yeah, like definitely in a broader sense, right? Like a bill can never address all of that and can never show people the way to life. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I don't know, but, but there are other things that it, it can address, um, to, mitigate further harms. Right. And I don't know if we want to go into, um, some other things, but just as I was like reflecting on, um, all of the kind of topics around this, I thought like, okay, like here's some biblical perspective. Like, can I go into some of those things that I added to our document? Yeah. So absolutely. And and I know before too long, I'd love for Lynn to jump in because mm-hmm. she's going to have to jump off to uh, maybe early. So, but yeah, go ahead with that. That sounds great. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, regardless of whether we say COSA is the way to do this, like I, I would say these things from a biblical standpoint, like we as Christians, we see value in bringing the truth to light, um, in there being transparency and like what is going on in these platforms, what, um, what, it, how these, uh, algorithms work and all of those things. Um, Transparency in the research that's coming out about how it's affecting teens. We know biblically that we are called to guard and speak up for the weak and vulnerable. And I would put teens in that category. Um, We know that we are called to see people as image bearers of God that we are called to love and not as products to collect information on, which is what social media platforms do. They see mm-hmm. us as the product and they collect information on us in order to maximally, maximally monetize each one of us. And that is not how we view human beings. We view them as image bearers to love. Um, and we also, I think I've said this on a previous episode. Um, we, we value the health of our children above profit. Um, the holistic well-being of our children is more important than profit. Um, and if something like this goes into um, law, like social media platforms will not be able to profit as well as they have been in some ways, like off of teens. And they probably won't like that, but we think that that's a good thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, cause the, the more, the more they can maximize our usage of their platforms, the more they can make off of us. Right. So they are literally the product that social media is selling to, um, advertisers is the user's attention. Right. And so when it comes to teens, we're talking about, they are trying to sell teens attention to advertisers And we are saying, okay, we don't want that to be able to happen in just any way. We want platforms that actually, um, that uh, prioritize the well-being of our children before they just prioritize their own profit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that that was well said, Linda. Um, Lynn, I know you're going to have to jump off, so... Jump in with anything you got, any thoughts, um, and then just uh, step off when you need to. <laughs> okay, great. Lynn, I think that was so um, – The when you said, like, you know, maybe there will be a time where all these things are banned and, they're, like, these laws are passed and um, social, media's ha- social media platforms have to change the way they, you know, monetize it, attention or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> none of these things, right, like – self-harm, this misuse of uh, our children and even image bearers, none of that's going to fully be gone until the Lord comes back, right? So Mm -hmm. when one of the questions uh, John had us think about was, well, what are we as youth workers and as parents and leaders, um, like, what should we do? I I mean, that calls us to pray, like, thy kingdom come even more, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if if not for my well-being, for my students' well-being and for these other people' well-being, right? So thy kingdom come. Um, but until then, what do we do? <laughs> right? And um, I, I'm encouraged and I, I would 
hope that others would be encouraged. I think sometimes it's easier to jump into a conversation that's going on than it is to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. And this conversation is going on, right? So for us to, um, without hysteria, um, Christian hysteria, you know, and tomato throwing and whatnot, to, to jump into these conversations and say, well, how can I support in a way that's going to do some good, right? And not just be that Christian who's bashing anything or, you know, uh, protesting things. Um, So what, what can we do to join the conversation and move it forward? And with, with great hope that one day all of these things will be redeemed, whether there's a law or um, a Lord. Um, And then also one of the podcasts was talking about parental controls and uh, it said, if parents are willing to put forth the effort and then went on about how helpful those tools can be. And I just thought that phrase was gold. Like if parents are willing to put forth the effort to use the privacy settings or to use any kind of the tools that we have been given, then what a difference that would make. And I speak as somebody who when I get something new, I just hand it to my sister or my husband and say, can you figure this out? And then let me know how it works. Like I don't, I don't often read the directions or, and that's something with these parental devices um, as my, my children might just grab my phone or something like that. Like I need to learn how to use these. I need to be willing to put forth the effort and uh, be willing to, yeah, spend my time in that moment, so I don't have to spend my time in other moments of, well, I didn't use these when I could have, and now some of these things have happened. And it's not a it's not a total blockade, right? Like it won't stop everything, but I should use the tools I have been given, <laughs> just like I would in any other situation of, well, use the resources that you've been given. Um, so that would be my encouragement to parents and youth workers to educate themselves of, well, what tools do we have now that we're not utilizing instead of waiting for another law or instead of waiting for more tools to come around that we may or may not utilize? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Lynn, that, that was well said. And yeah, I agree. I mean, just putting forth the effort there. And I, I mean, I speak as one who gets so wearied by all of this and I'm just mm-hmm. thinking, I don't want to have to learn this new technology. I don't want to know it. I just, you know, say no to a lot of things, which sometimes that can be a good, good response um, to new technologies. But, um, but yeah, putting forth that effort um, is just such a good word because yeah, so many of the parents that are listening to this are just so beat up and wearied over this, mm-hmm. um, this conversation. Um, but I think that's a good word. And so yeah, as we start to, to, maybe land the plan on this. Scott, I'd love for you to jump in, uh, talk about youth workers and parents, Linda, youth workers, parents, kind of thoughts, words to them, responsibilities that they could, uh, um, yeah, take in this, in this matter. Yeah. I was thinking as Lynn was talking that, you know, when she's talking about parental controls, um, you're talking about the controls on the devices, but the first control we have as parents is, to just not get the device. And I think that, I think parents need to be encouraged that that's okay. Um, We're in a, we're kind of in that. um, uh, So this is going to date me. My neighbors uh, have a pickleball net and we like to play pickleball every once in a while. And and, uh, there's an area. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that, man. (laughs) All right. Uh, there's, uh, there's an area you're not supposed to be, which I guess is called the kitchen sink. Right. And, uh, <laughs> it's also kind of like, um, in tennis, there's also like no man's land. But the point is that right now, I think that for many parents, especially if they have kids that are approximately the ages of like 12 to 17, I think they're, we're kind of in no man's land. We're in the kitchen sink where, um, we, we, we allowed them to have something, uh, an iPad, uh, an iPhone, because we weren't aware of the harm that it was causing or was going to cause. And so now we have to do a lot of really hard work and the hard work is mostly in the relationship with those, ch- those children and, and, and talking to them about this harm, talking to them about this struggle so that 
they can understand what's happening, right? But for those that have kids that are mostly 12 and under, I think there's a, a, a wonderful opportunity here for you to have the freedom to continue to say no as long as possible and even adapting this new technology. I think Andy Crouch said, you know, when did, when is he, when do you get a phone? He said he's 50, what, four? He said 53 <laughs> is when he should have gotten a phone. <laughs> and, and I think that we just want to be really careful about that. So that was one. The other is uh, we had this phrase we used to use at camp when I was a counselor in Missouri. And it was, uh, we used to say, what we do in moderation, kids do in excess. And what the director meant by that was, if you're goofing off a little, kids are going to goof off a lot. If you're not making your bed in the morning, uh, you know, if you're kind of sort of making, they're going to really not do, you know, if you're not in charge of sweeping the cabin and making, they're going to really take advantage of it. And so the, one of the hardest, I think, things for us as parents to do is, man, we have got to put our phones down. We have got to be the ones to, to recognize that it's affecting us as well. And we've got to be leading the charge on that and do it with joy. Do, don't be uh, like a heavy handed on it or a curmudgeon, like find other things to do together. Have those conversations at dinner, um, play games, go on walks, I mean, whatever you need to do, and but have joy in it, and you've got to put it down first. So I, I just really think that's, there's an opportunity here for parents of younger children, I think. Yeah, no, Scott, so well said. And, and just, you know, your point too, as you were, you were talking about the being in the, the kitchen or whatever, and just kind of... Um, relating that to how we just gave devices to kids without even thinking about it. You saying that made me think of a quote by Jonathan Haidt in his book, the anxious generation. Scott, not to rub it in. I know you're trying to get that book and it's not, oh, not out yet. pictures of it or something. <laughs> so look, he, he says this, he says children born in the late 1990s were the first generation in history whose social lives moved from the real world to the virtual world. And, and the move happened before or during puberty. So we gave them smartphones in the early 2010s and the largest uncontrolled experiment humanity has ever performed on its own children. Just the largest uncontrolled experiment. It was an experiment and we're learning we, we failed. Yeah. Um, it was a mistake. And I mean, COSA is part of the fruit of that. Yeah. This conversation is part of the fruit of that. We are waking up to the reality. We messed up by giving young children devices that we had no clue what they would do. And even the creators, the, the five CEOs that were meeting with the Senate Judiciary Committee, they had no idea what, what their um, platforms were going to become. They just created them and released them, and then they took on a mind of their, their, their own. So, um Anyway, just to your point, Scott, Linda, I would love for you to, to jump in thoughts on any of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I, I haven't read that book by Jonathan Haidt, but I heard him talk about it on a podcast once. And I think one of the controlling metaphors he uses in it is um, kind of uh, comparing technology and the internet to like um, the Tower of Babel. Right. And this idea that like when you get a bunch of people coming all together, like we can really use our power in some destructive ways. And that's kind of like you see God in Genesis 11 breaking that up um, so that we don't just devolve into um, wickedness and, and chaos. Um, but now we've created technology that uh, kind of allows for a lot. Of, and so there's there's just a lot that can happen um, when people have so much power for good and for harm. Um, and there, there's just a lot to think about in that, you know, um, I think the, the good news for us is that God is more powerful than all of that. And so mm -hmm. things that seem um, out of our control, which all of this is, is in his control. Um, we, we can't control everything that's happening with the internet and social media and all that, but we do have power and influence over, 
um, our particular spheres. And so as for, you know, youth workers, parents, like you have the ability to make choices to move forward um, in how you, your family uses technology with wisdom and with grace. And I think sometimes it, um, like families can regret choices they've already made because they're, now they're seeing some of the repercussions of it and think, well, we can't kind of go back on those decisions because it's already here. And, and you can, if, if that's what you feel your family needs to do and God will empower you to do that. And God also provides his people to walk alongside you in that as you deal with, um, the repercussions of it and the, um, like detox period afterwards and whatever that might do to your relationship with your children and, um, everything your children go through is they have to adjust to not using technology in the same way and, you know, whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. you have the ability to make the choices that need to be made um, for you and for your family. Um, And God provides for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good word to end on for sure. I I mean, just in summary, I mean, mean, those parents and youth workers that are listening to this, I mean, first and foremost, let's be reminded we have a guy that's on the throne and he's in charge. Um, At the same time, he does give us responsibility. And um, let this be just a reminder. I I like how Lynn said, you know, it's it's easier to just kind of step into a conversation than to start one, that the conversation's going, that this is, you know, happening on this podcast. Obviously, it's (laughs) happening. you know, on larger stages. And so uh, there's talk in the culture of this. And so again, talking more about this uh, in, in youth rooms, uh, youth workers uh, bring people in to talk about this. You talk about this yourself with in large groups and small groups with your students, allow this not to just be a lecture, but a dialogue with them, get them talking about it. Uh, parents talk about this in the home. And again, let's not just lecture, but let's hear from them and allow them to speak into things. Um, but this is definitely a, a call to action and to take responsibility and to, to put boundaries in place and, and all that. And of course, we're going to continue to have conversations like this on this podcast. But uh, Lynn, again, she had to step out. Thanks to Lynn for showing up. Scott and Linda, really appreciate you guys coming on today and being a part of this conversation. 